Welcome everyone to Memphis Hardwoods, a podcast about your Memphis Grizzlies. What a streak the Memphis Grizzlies are on right now. 10 games in a row, a franchise record after setting a franchise record of nine straight games, an incredible win last night against the Golden State Warriors. What is going on with this team? What an incredible moment in Memphis Grizzlies history. And what an incredible person to talk about this team with. My friend and yours, Marvin Stockwell, is here. Marvin, welcome to the podcast. So delighted to have you on to talk hoops. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I can't, yeah, it's a crazy, like this season just keeps going up and up and up. And I think, yeah, this the surprising thing is just like, you want to hope and believe this is stuff is always possible. But then all of a sudden we just keep rising. We keep winning. We keep doing amazing things and seemingly everything breaks our way, you know? So yeah, it's exciting. It's, it's, it's like, uh, like I was telling you before we hit record, you know, I was just like, I was up till 1am just like couldn't stop digesting Twitter about the, the, the game versus the Warriors. It was incredible. No doubt. Yeah. I felt the same way this morning. I probably hit the retweet button 50 times today because there was too much good content. <laughs> Just the latest being John Morant standing in front of those three little boys in Golden yes. State Warriors jerseys <laughs> who reached out to high five him. And of course, he didn't high five him and commented on that after the game saying, so great, you know, that was disrespectful up in here wearing those Warriors jerseys. And then, of course, he said, give me their information. I'll send them a jersey of Memphis, <laughs> which is awesome. But you may have seen the meme. Somebody put a lightsaber in his hand. <laughs> Oh, no, I haven't seen that one yet. No, I haven't seen oh, that I one. But, but I think the, the the precious thing is 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 Ja Morant is this is this great mix of tough as nails. Uh, he fits the 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 brand of the Grizzlies so well, uh, that kind of historic brand, but in his own way. And then there's also a sweet endearing side to him because, like, the sweet endearing side says. I felt bad. I apologize to the kids. And like, you know, he's like, oh, gosh, they're sweet kids. Of course, he's got his own kids. Right. So there's this like this this soft, sweet, uh, adorable side to John Morant. And I just think that makes people love him all the more. No doubt. Yeah. yeah I mean, you know? he's yeah, he's a dad. Right. And he mm -hmm. does have this kind of soft side to him. Right. Just in terms of you know, he comes from the country. I mean, he, he comes from South Carolina, um, right. obviously not highly recruited, um, out, coming out of college, went to Murray state, right. Did some amazing yep. things. But I, I just think that when you come from that background, right, you're not LeBron James where you're recruited out of middle school, right? You're not this person right. who had this sensational track record for years before you get into the NBA. I think that's sure. what makes him so appealing, right? As he has this, this softer part, but when he gets on the court, and turns it on. I can't think of a player who is more aggressive no. in the NBA right now. Um, no. and, and so what a cool character, right? <clears throat> when you think about that, right? Because in life, as in basketball, it's not always just about one thing. And so, you know, John Morant comes with, you know, comes with so much. And this is something we've talked about before the podcast is kind of the yeah. character of this team continuities with the past. Um, you know, what's different yeah. about this team? What's the same, right? In terms of the culture, and let me just let me just start by asking you what mm -hmm. we're seeing right now with the Grizzlies. You know, you've been following the team for, you know, well over a decade. Yeah. Can you can you think of a time like this or is this really a unique moment for this Grizzlies team? I, I think it's the closest corollary we have is when the Grizzlies shocked the Spurs and as the as the eight seed beating the one seed. It, it, and it's the same in this respect. 
it was unexpected. You know, like it's like uh, it, 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 I guess it's a different type of unexpected. But like I think I, I, our ceiling is higher than I think anybody thought it was. And so that's the unexpected part. And that's, it's like that's what you want in any narrative arc of a movie or anything. You want to be surprised by like some plot twist that no one saw coming. Oh, my God. I mean, that's the <laughs> thing. Right. So it's like it's not only entertaining basketball. It's not only team chemistry. It's not only next man up and how the team seems to be gelling all at once. It's not so much. It, it's 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 the personality of the team. It's it's both. The, it's the combination of the trash talk and and the and the sweetness and the gentleness. I mean, think about this. John ja Morant travels down to South Haven to watch hustle games, like and, right. and be encouraging to the to the G League players. Like, I mean, granted, he probably just wants to see a basketball game, but it's right. it's still he'll get on Twitter. And like share out like tweets of the guys on the hustle or people who are playing college ball. He'll, he'll use, in other words, he uses his platform to lift other people up. And I think that that's, you talk about consistency with the past. Right. I'd say there's an everyman quality to Ja that was, that's every bit as kind of appealing in every man as Zach Randolph, but right. in a completely different way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He does. Yeah. That every man quality is it, it, that's when we talk about it being soft. I think it's more about just being relatable, someone that you like, um, totally. so, someone that, you know, you can embrace as a person. And obviously with Zach Randolph, yeah. this city embraced him. Um, and likewise, he embraced this city in a way that, of course, led to his Jersey retirement earlier this year. But John Morant, you know, it's the star of the team, probably the first bona fide superstar that we've had in Memphis. I think you could go back sure. and you could sort of sort of say Pau Gasol was w- one of the first stars, real stars that we had on this team. Not superstar, but not a superstar. And I think that that distinction is important. And our friend, yeah. and the Grizzlies color commentator, Brevin Knight, talks, I think, importantly about what what differentiates a superstar and a star. And one of the things that Brevin says superstars win games in multiple ways. So you're not yeah. just scoring points, right? You're doing other things. And mm-hmm. and what could be more illustrative of John ja Morant's impact on the game than that block at LA the other day, which people are saying this may be a top 10 highlight of all time. Yeah, it's that's a crazy block. And I've gone back and watched it so many times. Um it's just it just there's an athleticism to John Morant that it's just like and it's all coming like it couldn't have happened at a better moment. Right. Like right when the world's attention is starting to turn and being like, who is this crazy guy? Wait, what? And it's like and then he does something like that. You know, it's uh, there's this funny meme that I saw where it was like uh, Clay Thompson's in, in a cab with somebody else from, from the Warriors. And, and, and he's like. Clay says like, oh, yeah, let's go down and play the Grizzlies, you know, Zebo, et cetera. He's like, no, nah, man, they got a bunch of new dudes and, uh, and, and some guy who just had some block that people have watched 37 billion times, <laughs> you know, and then he's like paralyzed with fear. Um, but I, it, which I thought was hilarious, but it's like yeah. it is like the world is is updating. It's like mental role uh, Rolodex or understanding of what the Grizzlies are, you know, and it's like we're those of us who have been following the team more closely, we've digested the minutia and we appreciate the minutia. And now like the rest of the world is kind of like going like, Oh, wait a minute, something's going on. Yeah, exactly. It's a treat. It's a treat. You know, and, it's kind of like when your favorite band gets discovered, you know, like I, I, I've liked them since their first EP came out, you know, exactly. it's just better. 
Exactly. And I mean, Ja Morant, obviously being the star of the show, we could spend all of our time talking about Ja, and I think we will come back to him. But I want to talk about someone else, right? Yeah. In terms of likability, um, someone you, you mentioned the word unexpected earlier, right? That's what's been so special about, yeah. I think, this run that we're on 20 and four. We are 20 and four over the last 24 games. No one expected mm-hmm. that, right? And certainly as part of that streak, uh, the 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 games we won without Ja Morant, right? Equally as impressive, right? He's gone, so incredible. We, we can get into that in a minute. But one person who has played in every single game this season, with the exception of one, and he probably could have played that game the other night against the Cavaliers, and that's Desmond Bain. Yeah. I mean, what can we what can we say about Desmond Bain? And again, I'd kind of put the question in terms of thinking historically about our backcourts, right? And sort of two guards that we've had, obviously Tony Allen being the man, right? Our two guard in the grit grind Mm -hmm. era. Um, But also before that Courtney Lee, right? In the backcourt with Mike Conley, you know, a pretty decent backcourt, but is this the best backcourt we've ever had? And did we expect Desmond Bain to be a part of that at the beginning of this season? I think the first part of the question is, is yes. And the second part is no. Like uh, if anybody, maybe so there's some like, Oh, I've followed him since TCU. I mean, maybe that person exists. Right. But like, I certainly didn't know that I, he was on our radar as the, as the guy who got crazy eyes when, when we we beat the jazz for that one game, he's like, yeah, man, you know, and we all like, man, who is this rookie? that's like getting all crossways of the jazz because he hit some dagger three in somebody's face or something. But it's like, you know, that's kind of an anomaly. It's fun and everything, but it's like, uh, and again, it goes back to that whole unexpected uh, thing. Uh, the Grizzlies weren't expected to beat the Spurs 10 years ago. No one quite expected the Grizzlies to be, to have re retooled and be this good this soon. No, no one was, I mean, people expected John Morant to be good, but he was over, he was somewhat overlooked from a smaller school and, and Desmond Bain, you know, that fits that whole narrative too, is that, it, it, you can tell when people are reading from old notes when they when they do the quick at a glance with the Grizzlies and they don't talk Desmond Bain and they're like right. like dude get some fresh notes right <laughs> like <laughs> you know but no I don't think anybody thought he was going to be this good and yeah. the fact that he was not drafted by all these players the chip on his shoulder it, it's it's right. just so from a fan perspective it's freaking perfect and then the yeah. whole thing that came out there's like well you know actually he has. Uh, short arms for his size. I'm like, I never would have noticed that, but I totally get it. Somebody pointed it out. I was like, Oh, okay. Well, somebody maybe thought that was a defect they couldn't live with. Well, right. Too bad, chump. We got him. <laughs> well, you know, you know what's interesting about that? The Athletic did a really nice bio piece on Desmond Bain. So if listeners want to go check that out. And one of the things he talked about is he was lightly recruited going into college because of his wingspan. People looked at that wingspan and he got kind of this Tyrannosaurus Rex reputation, right? And like uh-huh. people didn't people didn't think that he could be, you know, a good shooter, right? Didn't have the length to get the ball up and over defenders or that he could defend because you need, you know, a long wingspan to be an effective defender. But boy, has he proven everybody wrong. Yeah. I mean, what a what a solid player. And he went from nine points, nine point two points last year. Do you know what he's shooting this year, Marvin? Not off the top of my head. 18 points. He has doubled awesome. his point production in one year, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which, you know, especially to go from it's not going from two to four, <laughs> you know, he's going from, you know, nine yeah. points to 18 points over the course of one season. Yeah. And it's incredible because last year he shot 43 percent from three. 
Um, and, and this year he's shooting 43% for, for, from three. The consistency mm-hmm. is incredible. Mm-hmm. Well, what's the difference? He had four three-point attempts last year. He's up to seven per game mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. year. He is averaging three three-point shots per game. But I would be remiss if we just focused on the three-point shooting. And this is something, you know, again, Brevin, who is like my spirit yeah. animal in terms of thinking about Grizzlies. <laughs> He always makes the point Desmond Bain is more than just a shooter. That's not all he does for this team. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that, that he was that, that was the read on him is that he was a, a spot-up three-shooter. Sh- but, like, if you've gone back and w- watched the YouTube videos of stuff from TCU, he was already more than that. Like, so I, I got to believe our, our, our front office uh, saw that potentially. That's the thing that's dangerous. And in a way – both he and Ja, with Ja bringing his three-point uh, shot along, uh, both have now is the ability to shoot a three. So you got to respect, got to come out. But he can also put it on the deck and drives hard to the hole. And the fact that the fact that Desmond has uh, has some you know some strength and some and some size to him and some muscle uh, and speed means he can take it to the hole pretty strong. And so like if you and he can pull up and hit him and hit the floater too. You know, and I just think if you've got them from every range and they have respect and you've got it's just makes for a dangerous combo that when all when all three of those things have to be all three of those ranges need to be respected. Well, you can score in any number of different ways. That's right. That's incredible. Right. Yeah. And he's he's the flyby king. Right. So he pulls up for that three point shooter. Guys try mm-hmm. to, you know, jump to try to block the shot. You know, he'll let them fly by and then he'll pull up and hit the shot or alternatively, he'll pull up. And they, they hedge on him a little bit and he'll get the step and he'll go straight to the rim and he'll either yeah. put it in at the rim or he'll hit in the mid range, but just, just inc- incredible. Uh, he's an incredible scorer and he is playing serviceable defense. He's a, I think he's probably yeah. a net neutral on the defensive side of the, of the floor, which is what you mm-hmm. want uh, from a yeah. guy like that. And I would direct uh, listeners to Chris Harrington's piece um, on Desmond Bain that he published, I think, last week. And he was doing some comps. He's like, how do we best understand Desmond Bain? And yeah, the I read best, that piece, yeah. Yeah, so the best comp that he had was uh, in his uh, year year two season, Clay Thompson. Yeah. And you could do worse than having uh, John Morant and a Clay Thompson equivalent in your backcourt. Um, yeah. And so, right, thinking about last night, right, Steph and Clay doing their thing, you see John and Bain doing their thing, and yeah. uh, the Grizzlies got the better of them. So I think, I think the future is bright in the Grizzlies' backcourt. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, uh, Desmond Bain had a bit of an off-shooting night for him. Still wasn't a bad night, uh, really, but he didn't quite have the uh, the the stroke uh, going from three last night. But you know, um, that that segues into you know the whole next man up. I mean, we had we had just had contributions coming from everybody, uh, and it was just like that seems to be how the Grizzlies are able to uh, cope. That and offensive rebounding. Quite right. frankly, you know, like we, we're so good at that, that uh, that we can usually make up for it. it you know, we I think we're best in the league in that. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Yes, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that is correct. And uh, dear listeners, p- please correct us if we're wrong. But one of the things that uh, that really goes to your point, Martin, about last night, the Grizzlies had 20 more possessions than the Golden State Warriors. Oh, 20, wow. I, I, 20 note of that, yeah. more possessions. Right. And that comes from a variety of things. It comes from turning that team over, but also getting offensive rebounds. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the deal is, it's not just Steven Adams, who obviously is a master of getting offensive rebounds. He's been yeah. in the health and safety protocols. It's also folks like John Conchar, who gets yeah. on the boards, you know, to sure. your point about, about next man up. And yeah. Conchar last night, 
um, Gonchar last night, he hit some timely three pointers, right? Yeah. So it wasn't just, you know, it wasn't just Conchar getting out there and, and being your energy guy, which he does uh, well, mm-hmm. but he did hit a clutch three pointer. And, and speaking of, of the backcourt and the next man up, what about Tyus Jones? Five, oh, four, five for three from three last night and two three pointers in the fourth quarter that really sealed that game. Yeah, I, I think he's I think he's the best backup point guard in the NBA, and I, and, I, and I think uh, he could be playing. Uh, I, I think he could be a starter elsewhere. Uh, but um, no, I mean, I think his his chemistry with the team is great. I think he. I don't think I don't think he minds his. He doesn't seem to mind his role. That's uh, everyone seems to be pretty locked in, and that's like that's pretty special. That's a good place to be, you know. And so, uh, especially as people like. All this, there's been this talk about like, well, are there any trades we need to make versus the deadline? And it's like, I don't know. I mean, there's smarter people than me about stuff like that, but I'm like, I wouldn't jinx the chemistry we've got right now. Definitely not. I mean, if you think back to when we traded Solomon Hill and Jay Crowder, and of course, Jay Crowder, yeah. you know, taking the Phoenix Suns to the NBA Finals last year, continued to play a, a crucial role on that. There totally. was a sense that trading those guys away. It wasn't just about trading their on-court production. It was about trading their character, the value that they brought inside the locker room, the continuity, the glue that they provided to that team. I feel the same way right now about Tyus Jones and Kyle Anderson. And and I mentioned those Mm -hmm. two guys because those are the most tradable contracts that we have. If you're going to do a deal, those are two expiring contracts. You probably put those in the deal. But I don't think you do a deal right now. I mean, why mess with success? Um, because there's, there is a chance you lose both those guys this summer for nothing. Um, but you still get that space on the cap sheet, which helps you. Right. Um, and why interfere with a season that is going so well right now? So I tend to agree with you. I think the Grizzlies should stand pat at the deadline. Yeah, no, I I think they should as, as well, because right now, like there's like, even not just local commentators are starting to say, and not all of them, but several of them are like, you know, they, they, every anything could be possible, you know. And and you you take a step back and look. What do you mean anything? You get to the finals, you know. Get to the Western Conference final. No, get to the finals. And it's like when you look at who we beat. Like I don't know that we can't go win a championship. I really don't know that. I would. Okay, I think that's that's heady talk, right? <laughs> that's that's heady talk. But it's it's like not impossible, right? And to be in that space where we're realizing that like. It's not impossible to think we could win a title this year is kind of a special place to be that like no one, like we were like, Ooh, it'd be so good if we could get the, the fourth seed in the West. And like, that was our goal. That was like, well, Teddy thought, you know, and now it's like, no, man, let's get at the finals. Oh, absolutely. You know? So yeah, the Grizzlies analytics pump this out today. Grizzlies have 16 wins over the top 15 teams in the NBA. We've beaten the Warriors twice, the Suns, the Jazz, the Nets, the Heat, the Sixers, the Cavs twice, the Nuggets twice, the Lakers three times, the Mavericks and the Raptors. That is a pretty impressive track record. And what that tells you is this team can win against anyone. And so I think it's reasonable for folks to say this Grizzlies team has already reached the point where the sky's the limit. Um, right. You could see them doing some really special things this year. And, you know, to kind of come back. So why not take a shot? Why not take a shot? Why not take a shot? 
And, and, and I think you, I think you lessen your chances with that shot. If you trade some of your key guys. Now, one, yes. one guy just that I, I will put out there in terms of, you know, thinking about trades is Jared Culver. Um, he's got a six to $7 million contract. Um, yeah. but you really can't do anything with him by himself. And, and let's be honest when he's been on the court, he's done pretty well for the Grizzlies. Oh, no, no doubt. I mean, I, and it's like, I went back and watched the piece on him and I know he's been like a huge disappointment and, and sometimes players, I mean, as, as Zach, as Randolph is, or, or just other players that have quite, you know, they haven't quite gotten it worked out. It sometimes it's about setting. Right. And like, I mean, sometimes, I mean, the Memphis, Memphis has a habit of turning players around. So I don't know that Jarrett Culver might not be one of those uh, people. Uh, he certainly had a couple of key moments. Um, so, and certainly he's got the talent, but to your point, I, I, I get what, you, I, I guess I wouldn't put Jarrett Culver in that same class of people. Like I think if we could withstand losing anybody, it would probably be him. And I think uh, the, the, the Chris Harrington column you mentioned, I think it was the same one where he was talking about all the different possible trades. And there were some like, essentially some very low, low, low you know, not big trades. And, and it's like, if it was like Culver for some draft picks and like, you know, you, I guess you could possibly make a case, but we're talking about stuff on the margins. Like yeah. don't mess with the like meat of the team, you know, like yeah. The, any, yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah. And I think part of the reason that's, you know, a, a good way to look at it is because this Grizzlies team with the players it has is still getting better. Isn't that crazy to think about? Zaire Williams. Well, that's what? where I was going to go next. Wait, like what? But yeah. Zaire I mean, it's like Williams. Holy. I mean, you know, gosh, uh, he looked like earlier this year. I remember thinking, oh, there's, you know, there's, he's a rookie and he, he needs to fill out. He needs to get in the gym or whatever. And he's just like, gosh, just glad to be here, you know, or whatever. And, you know, like talented attributes that you'd want in a basketball player, but a project, right? Like, like he's going to come along and that's not, that's not the side here. We saw in the game against the Golden State Warriors. That was no. a guy who was confident and yeah. look at job ja being a great leader. You talk about other ways leaders contribute is like, He's talking up the rookie, and it's like, don't you know that makes Zaire feel like a million bucks, right? Like the all-star, like Ja Morant's like giving me mad praise. That's just going to make him dig in and work all that much harder, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Incredible, yeah. Yeah, I mean, last night, you know, he went three for seven from the three-point line. I mean, when he started the season, he, he did a lot of standing in the corner. He'd catch the ball, and he shot it, I think, a 25 or 20, 28% rate. Um, not only has improved, has he improved his three point shooting, he's putting the ball on the floor and that, that is to me, the biggest sign of his confidence that he knows he can put the ball on the floor and he'll either get to the rim or he'll pass the ball and he's not going to turn it over very consistently. And so it was really good to see, see that, but you know what I think his biggest impact has been his defense, his defense. Yeah. I I think he played uh, against, uh, uh, Steph. Last night, uh, great. I, I, I thought he was. He played great defense against Steph Curry, and yeah, like I, I'll show my ignorance here. Like I wasn't paying close enough attention to know it, was he known for his defense, you like know, in college or whatever. Well, the thing is, he had such a weird season at Stanford. He didn't play well, particularly well, right? And then he played at uh, I think it's Sierra Mesa with LeBron's with Bron G- Bronny Junior. Oh, right. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, he's been regarded as a sort of all around 
um, guy in part because of his length. I mean, when you, yeah. when you watch his length and I actually observed this earlier in the season, his, his length, he gets into passing lanes. And so he's disruptive that way, but he's learning yeah. how to use his body to get in front of guys. And that's yeah. what he was doing last night with Steph Curry. And that's a sign of growth. So, so yeah, I, yeah. I, I think he's been sort of revered as an all around prospect, but you know, if your offensive game isn't working very well, you can always play defense. But the good thing about Zaire, he's doing both. Yeah, and and, and again, it, it's another example of things maturing and showing up ahead of schedule. Zaire is part of that like trend, right? The team itself, uh, John Morant rounding into form, Jaron Jackson Jr. rounding into form in ways we'd hoped, and, and even I would argue that even the strange outages we've had have played into our hands in terms of player development. Uh, there was something special happened when Ja went out and it was like the team realized, oh, wow, they didn't know how much longer he was going to be. And they they rallied together and they say, we got to hold down the fort until Ja's back. But what they learned is how damn sufficient they were without him. Right. And then when Ja came back, I thought it was really magnanimous how – Ja was trying to say, I don't want to mess up the team chemistry. So he kind of like tiptoed back in the water, which I thought, I hope that works. But what was beautiful is we kept the gains, the gains in terms of development by him being out, we kept. And then Ja came back and went nuts. So it's like, we got the best of both worlds. And it's like, you know, uh, Steven Adams is, is, is like, he's learning the team. It's like so many things have gelled. Uh, so well, like, I, like yeah. it's, you almost ca- kind of searched the landscape to find one that, that like didn't yeah. pan out. And it's well, like, it exactly. all worked. Yep, exactly. And you mentioned a guy in terms of, you know, who really was able to blossom during that period when Ja was out. I want to talk about briefly and we'll, we'll move towards wrapping it up here. And that is Jerry yeah. Jackson Jr. Um, yeah. Had a rough start to the, the season, um, had not played basketball essentially for a full year, um, really looked lost. Uh, in the paint on his, on the offensive side of the ball. And Chris Harrington sort of wrote about this and noted it, you know, and, and how just confused he looked and, and, and Brevin always said, you know, it looks like Jaron doesn't have his balance down there. And I kept thinking more and more about what that meant, you know, but it's like, well, if you're in tight and you're a big guy, and you, you, how do you shoot the ball and really feel like you've got both feet on the floor, but yeah. boy, has that turned around. And, yeah. and I want to talk about his defense in a minute, but I just want to say, He's shooting now 36% from three. He started abysmally. I mean, he was shooting like 20%, right? Hasn't been hitting the three ball particularly well uh, recently, but he is now up to 56% uh, in the two-point range, uh, which is tied for a career high, and his overall field goal percentage is back at 55%. I think it's safe to say Jaron Jackson Jr. has returned on the offensive end. 100%. And I think the thing that he's added to his uh, game uh, is his offensive game is the ability to put it on the deck and use his uncommon agility for a guy as big as he is uh, to make moves. He just he just has an agility to him that's that's much more kind of almost akin to a, a much smaller guard that's closer to the ground, whatever, you know. And I just think for a big man to be that agile and to make that type of, you know, uh, moves uh, down low is uh, is really a, an uncommon thing. And so it, back to the whole, like, if you have, if you can shoot from three, if you can do something from mid range, and if you can take it to the rack, then they have to respect you at every, every, at every distance. And I think he too has kind of mastered all three of those uh, levels of shots. 
so that you that keeps defenders off, off balance and yeah. it's just like too many weapons yeah too it's many unbelievable I, i'm glad you mentioned that he kind of pirouettes to the basket now he you know and that's what i think <laughs> yeah. about revan's comments <laughs> about right. balance he's got his equilibrium and his balance he can literally take two steps from the three-point line and get to the rim so i yeah. think part of it was figuring out how to take those smaller steps when to take a stutter step you know when to uh, do his 360 spin when to just go up um, but, you know, I'll just conclude the offensive comments by saying yeah. when he spins in the lane and goes to the glass with that left hand, it's basically an unblockable shot because yeah. there are so few guys who can deal with his moves. Right. And then if he gets it up on the glass with that left hand, just something for folks to watch out uh, for, you know, there's so many things about basketball where there's just things of beauty and that is one of them. So let's totally appreciate, agree, yeah. yeah, let's appreciate Jaron putting the uh, ball on the floor and get into that left hand on the defensive side of the floor. Um, I would say that it's, I would say that, that Jaron is getting into the conversation around being um, defensive player of the year. Uh, now I'm not saying that he's yeah. going to get that this year because he started so, uh, so tough as he got back from injury. I agree with you, but do you I think he's moving in that direction as a defender? Oh, I, th- I absolutely think. And I think it has to do with overall confidence. Every gain he's made has had to do with, with overall confidence. And, and again, I, I think that has to do with certain uh, outages. Um, the, the, the outage of, uh, of Adams is another piece of that. But Jaws outage, wherever there's been a place to step up, he's found a way to step up. And what he, what he found was, oh, wow, I have those gifts. And now he's just like, now it's just a matter of polishing. So I think you're absolutely right. I think on the defensive side of the ball, he is uh, is absolutely headed in that direction for sure. Yeah. So he is um, he's in the 88th percentile in his block rates. He's in the 84th percentile for his steal rates at his position. Um, yeah. And earlier today, Sean Coleman tweeted out, Jaron Jackson Jr. now leads the NBA in fourth quarter blocks. He's the only NBA player with 20-plus blocks, 20-plus threes, and 60-plus rebounds in the fourth quarter. He's also shooting wow. 42% from three as well. That shows a maturation of that we've really been talking about with Jaron. He's getting better mm-hmm. in clutch time. And when you've got a seven-footer who can do all those things and you have John Morant on your team, wow. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, so I forget who it was. They made some comment about uh, Giannis on the combo and uh, about and I, I think what they were implying was that like Jaron can kind of like like that's his future if he wants if he just keeps working. Absolutely. Uh, and and that, that's incredibly exciting to think about. We, it, you know, like, yes, except that Jaron can shoot the ball, <laughs> you know, Giannis. Well, there's that. He's, too. <laughs> not, a, he's not a good three point shooter. So imagine Jaron adds that skill set too. So I'm um, just so proud of these guys. And, you know, we didn't get yeah. a chance to talk about Brandon Clark today, but um, we're going to get, we'll come back to him. Obviously he's having an incredible uh, oh, resurgence. Killian Tilly uh, just signed to a deal with the big team uh, for $4 million. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Great to see him kind of growing into his game. And so when we talk about that next man up mentality, it's amazing to see all these guys doing so well. And, you know, as we discussed, this team just continues to get better. So Marv, as we um, transition into this next game, the Grizzlies are going to be playing uh, against the Timberwolves on tomorrow. Um, They've got the Mavericks coming up after that, which should be a tough game. And then, the best team in the Eastern Conference for the MLK game, the Chicago Bulls. DeMar DeRozan uh, and wow. them are just doing some crazy things. Talk about resurgence. What are you most looking forward to uh, over the next week or two as we think about this Grizzlies team? 
I just, I don't think I've ever been this confident as a fan that any game is like, like, I just like, I, I don't think we'll win every game the rest of the season. You know, it's just like, it'll come down to rest or outages or whatever. Somebody will go off, but it's like, I don't, look at any game is like, Oh, wouldn't it be great if we shocked so-and-so like now it's like, I think the shocking thing would be like, if we don't win the game, like, I, I, I think we, like we, I, I, I expect to win. I expect to beat these teams, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. the only challenge will be like, I think we can beat anybody on the league on any given night. Now, can we win a seven game series against anyone in the league? That's another that's another issue because then there are always adjustments and you really fine tune to lock in on a particular uh, set of players. But um, I, I think it's the most exciting time to be a Grizzlies fan that I can remember uh, uh, since uh, since we shocked the Spurs in 2011. I, I just think that unexpected team did some fun things uh, that 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 just blew people's minds. And I think we're at a higher ceiling, but I'd say the expectation and the fun uh is 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 very similar and i was there for that game six against the spurs uh at at fedex forum it was electric it 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 had it had every bit of of electricity of the greatest uh close tiger basketball games from from history and i go all the way back to the keith lee era and all that stuff so uh it was just it was electric and i think that electricity is back yeah wow Excellent way to put it, Marvin. Uh, I, I share that sentiment with you. During the Core 4 era, you really felt like the Grizzlies could lose a game any night because that team played down to their competition. That was one you know, challenge of that group. Um, whereas this group, it doesn't matter who's on the floor, on the Grizzlies side or on the other side, they are going to play at the highest level. They're going to play high IQ basketball. They're going to move the ball. They're going to have a lot of activity, which is Taylor Jenkins' favorite word to use. Um, and they're going to win <laughs> more nights than not, as we've seen in yeah. this crazy streak. So uh, Marvin, listen, I want to thank you for being on the show. And I also yeah, want to give you the opportunity to uh, plug anything you've got going. Where can folks find you? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Mar- just Marvin Stockwell uh, at Marvin Stockwell. So yeah, I, I, I'm usually on and commenting a good bit about uh, uh, Grizzlies games and stuff, but, uh, but yeah, so uh, I, I, people will see me there for sure. Cool. Fantastic, Marvel. Thanks for joining us. And uh, thanks to everybody for listening. We'll try to get another Memphis hardwood in on next week, and hopefully we'll have some more excellent things to report. Uh, And until next time, everybody take good care. Go Grizzlies, and we'll see you next time.